children of Israel were in Jerusalem to worship God and to be together as a community. And so by inviting people on regular occasions to come to Jerusalem and worship together, it was God's way of making sure that their focus was correct on him and on them together as a community without just seeing themselves as individuals, but seeing themselves as a society that is put together and organized around who God is and what he's done. You're driving along when all of a sudden you drop something and it's just out of reach. So you lean as far as you can to get it, pulling the steering wheel with you as you stretch. Your car veers out of the lane, startling you. You see, you were so focused on getting that thing you dropped that it changed the direction you were headed. Today, Pastor Daniel says the same thing happens in life. What you focus on impacts your life and the direction you go. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Psalms chapter 122. As he begins his message, your focus sets your direction. So in the end of the day, whatever you get focused on really determines the direction that you take. I see this all the time in my own life. I also love to see this in my kids. It actually makes me a little freaked out. You know, my youngest, Annabelle, who's six, you know, there's something so beautiful about being that age, right? Like when you're six years old. And so, so often I'll catch Annabelle looking at us talking and walking in another direction. Now, I don't know about you, if you're a parent or if you even know little kids, anytime you see little kids and they're looking in one direction, they're walking in another direction, you realize that some, someone's going to get hurt and it's probably going to be that child. Because, you know, you really, whatever you're focused on actually determines the direction that you're going. And when you're focused and traveling in two different directions, you know that there's going to be a, a calamity that happens. When I start thinking about what you focus on, how it really determines your direction, I'm reminded of when I was in college. Now, I had been playing the electric bass uh, for a while. You know, I picked one up in middle school, mostly because my parents wouldn't let me be a drummer. And it was really cool. I bought a bass. I was in two bands in one day. It was pretty awesome. And But I remember when I got into college, I realized I really wanted to do something with music. And so because I got focused on music, it really determined a lot of decisions that I made in my life. I remember uh, my roommate and I, uh, my roommate would like to be up all night, kind of classic college kid. And so my alarm would go off at uh, 7 o'clock in the morning, and that was my roommate's cue to go to sleep. So we'd give each other a high five, he'd go to bed, and I'd put my headphones on with my bass, and I would practice because I didn't have a class until I think about 10 o'clock. so I'd give myself a good, long, three-hour practice session. And, and literally, whatever you focus on, you begin to, and whatever is important to you, it begins to, you're, you end up building your whole life around those type of things. And, and that's true in every area of our life. And as we've been talking and as we're, as we're thinking together about this journey through life, what, what it means to be on the path of following Jesus, the way of Jesus, you know, it's very important for us to, to ask ourselves, at any given time, really what's my focus and how is what is my focus determining the directions that I'm taking? Because what happens oftentimes is that we want to say that as followers of Jesus, we're really focused on the Lord, but sometimes we get focused on lots of different things, right? Where we get focused on, hey, I really need to, you know, 
fix my finances. I need to do this. I need to get my health in order. Like, I, I remember one time, I'll just confess it out loud. I always say confession is, is uh, good for the soul, bad for the reputation. I remember one time I really wanted to fast because I was just feeling really heavy. And so I'm like, well, I'll fast and, and I'll lose some weight and I'll, and I'll get to know the Lord better. But really the driving desire was to lose some weight. And, and I remember on like the second day of the fast, the Lord really just kind of said, hey, Daniel, I like, it's, love that you're fasting, but you're really doing this for you, not for me. And it was a great loving check that the Lord gave me because I was really just wanting to lose a little weight and this was a good way to get it done. And, but it also shifted my perspective. I'm like, well, I'm not as concerned about the weight as I, I really want to, Lord, I want to know you. And so for each one of us, whatever it is that we're focused on, that will actually determine the reason and the motivation for making lots of different decisions. So I want you to ask yourself a simple question right now. Where's your focus at right now? Like, like, what is the things that has your attention? Because you realize that in these songs of ascent that we're studying here in this Way Up series, like the focus was the children of Israel were in Jerusalem to worship God and to be together as a community. And so by inviting people on regular occasions to come to Jerusalem and worship together, it was God's way of making sure that their focus was correct on him and on them together as a community without just seeing themselves as individuals, but seeing themselves as a society that is put together and organized around who God is and what he's done. And so today we're going to be looking at two of those songs of ascent, Psalm 122 and 123, in a message that I'm calling Your Focus Sets Your Direction. So open up your Bibles to Psalm 122. We'll start with Psalm number 122 as we jump right in here. And again, if, you, if you're opening up another browser window, just type in one, Psalm 122, you'll be able to read along. Uh, it's really easy to find Psalms in the Bible. I always like to say it's pretty much right in the center of your Bible, the book of Psalms. It's, it's right there between the book of Job and the book of Proverbs. And uh, Psalm 122 says it this way, verse one, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say peace be within you because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Now, I read the whole psalm, but really the first thing that we see here is a principle that I want to kind of tease out for you. And it's simply this. You and I, we should be excited to be the church. We should be excited to be the church. You might be like, well, Fusco, where'd you get that from? Look what he says in verse one. It says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our, our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. And then down in verse nine, because of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. See, really what's going on here is the psalmist is excited and, and this psalm is attributed to King David. He's excited. I was, I was excited, it says. I, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. And for 
David and the, and the children of Israel going to the house of the Lord was going to the temple that was built with men's hands and, 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 and they were able to, to worship or, you know, for David, it was going to the tabernacle that was there. Obviously, Solomon, his son, got to build it later. But for us in this day and age, on this side of the finished work of Jesus, the house of the Lord is not a, a temple where God meets us. It's, it's us gathering together with the people of God. We call that church, not a building, but people. And I kind of love the simple joyfulness of King David by saying, I was glad when they said, let's get together with the people of God. And we should be excited about being the church. Why? Because the church is the bride of Christ. The church is God's called out chosen people. Now listen, just because someone goes to church doesn't mean that they're perfect. It means that they've been forgiven by Jesus. For someone within church who put their faith and trust in Jesus, because I realize like here at Crossroads, not everyone who calls Crossroads their church is a born again believer. People are on different steps of their faith journey. Our desire is if you're not born again is that you would be born again. But we love that many people are, are wanting to learn more about Jesus here. We don't want to discourage that. But for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, we realize that Jesus loves his church. And we should be excited about when someone says, hey, man, let's get together with the people of God. We should be like, I'm glad about that. I'm excited about that. That should bring great joy in our hearts. Why? Like it says in Psalm 84, verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, then dwell in the tents of wickedness. And of course, if you've been around for a while, there was a, a very popular worship song where we used to sing it. I remember at the church I was at, they used to sing it over and over and over and over again. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand is elsewhere. And then they'd always repeat, a thousand is elsewhere. Right? We used to sing that song over and over and over again. And, and, but listen... Are you excited about being the church? See, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. But I think we live in a day and age, unfortunately, where many of us are a little bit of ashamed. Like, we're like we, we don't get excited about, man, I get to be together with the people of God. I get to, I get to gather together with the church. And I think part of it is because when, you, when you're really fully engaged in a church, you're going to meet all sorts of people who are different from you. Like in our culture, we really get excited when everyone is together and they like the same thing. Like, you know, like I remember growing up, I know some people who are really into Star Trek. You know what I mean? And like, and like the Trekkies were really like, they'd get all really worked up. They'd get all dressed up about it. Like, or if you're an athlete, if everyone likes the same sporting event, you go to a, you go to a, a, a sporting event. I just did this before all the coronavirus. I got invited to go to a, a Portland Trailblazer game with a friend of mine, and they were playing my favorite team, the New York Knicks. And so I'm in the Moda Center in Portland, and everyone's a Portland Trailblazer fan except for me. And because I'm me, I'm loud. And so I was yelling so loud. I was like, I was totally rooting for the, for the Knicks. At Carmelo Anthony, who used to be on the Knicks, is now on the Trailblazers. And I was booing him every time. And don't, don't judge me. I'm, I'm a pastor, but I love Jesus. But I'm not afraid to boo Carmelo Anthony because I used to boo him when he was on the Knicks too. But that's a different discussion. You know what I mean? And everyone around me is like looking at me because every 
everyone's a Trailblazer fan, but I'm the one person who's a Knicks fan. But I bring this up because, you know, it's the difference between Portland and New York. You do that in New York, they beat you up. Here they just smile at you and tell you to calm down. You know, but, but the idea is, is that when everybody likes the same things, it's really easy to get excited because they feed off their excitement. But what's beautiful is the beauty of what church is, and the reason we should be excited about church is there's people from all different backgrounds, all different ways of life. But because Jesus has done a work in their life, you become family. I love it when the Crossroads family is gathered together and I see so many different people, different educational backgrounds, different lifestyles, different histories, different goals. But because of Jesus, we all get to be together. Everything's different. You see the whole span of humanity, but we get to be together. And I think in a lot of ways, we need to recover an excitement for church. An excitement to say, I get to be together with the people of God in the name of Jesus Fill with the spirit of God, over the word of God, to be able to grow and learn together. You know, I think one of the things that the enemy wants to do is he wants to get people to be like, oh man, well, church is optional. It's not for Jesus. Jesus came on a rescue mission because when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, they become part of church. They're part of the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. And so you and I, in this journey of life as a pilgrim through, we need to learn how to be excited to be the church. Now, notice I, notice I didn't say be excited to go to church. Because we're supposed to be the church 24 hours a day, seven days a week, everywhere we are. See, too many people, they think, oh, I just go to church. No, no, you have to be the church. That's why in some ways this whole thing that's going on with churches not being able to gather, you know, and, and it's like, I'm always reminding people, everyone says that we're going to be the church all the time, but then people don't know how to be the church if you don't go to church. It's like, no. We gather together, we get built up, and then we go on out in the name of Jesus. And we have small groups, all these things. This is what church is really all about. But for many people, the only thing they think church is about is going to church on Sunday. Not that we should forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But man, we should be excited to be the people of God. I'm excited that God would love me and would invite me to be a part of this crazy thing called church. You know, I meet so many amazing people. And as I've gotten to travel and teach, and I've been all over the world and, and, and been in all different types of churches, big churches, small churches, house churches, underground churches, what you realize is that you meet all these people and there's one thing that puts us all together and that's God. It's the finished work of Jesus in our lives. The fact that God, like you meet somebody, you can't even communicate, you speak different languages. But Jesus redeemed them just the way he redeemed me. It's extraordinary. So, so like David in this psalm, we should be excited, man. I was glad when they said, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. So we want to be excited to be the church. Now, look what it says next. It says in verse 3 of Psalm 122, Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord for thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say peace be within you. You know, really quite simply, you and I, we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. See, 
For the children of Israel, this was the place where they would go to worship. There was the tabernacle was there, then the temple was there. And it was the center of their spiritual life and their civil life. You know, King David was there and the subsequent uh, kings of, of, of the southern tribes were there. You know, but still to this day, God has a special place in his heart for Jerusalem. And of course, the, the name Jerusalem, it literally means city of peace. And, you know, the, that old saying, the tale of two cities. The, the Bible's a, a book about two cities, Babylon and Jerusalem. It's in the book of Genesis all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. It's, there's two different ways to live. There's, you live the way of peace where God is the center, or Babylon is the way of the world, the way of rebellion. You know, you, you, you find the Tower of Babel in the book of, of Genesis. You find, of course, Melchizedek, of, you know, the, the priests from Salem. All of these things are, are right there in the beginning of the story. And by the time you get to the book of Revelation, you know, I've, I've just been studying the book of Revelation in my own devotional time. We read through it together as a church. And I'm like, I'm going to go read through that again. I read through it three times. I'm not going to say I understand it anymore reading through it four times in a row than I understood it before. Even though I've taught the book, every time I read, I'm like, man, the book of Revelation is so deep. But sure enough, there it is, Jerusalem and Babylon, right there. And God has a special plan for the city called Jerusalem that is in modern-day Israel. God's purposes and plans are not yet done there. And our job as believers is to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's what it says, you know? And, and, and it reminds me of Jeremiah chapter twenty. 3, verse 6. In his days, Judah will be saved, it says. And Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he is called the Lord, our righteousness, or Jehovah to Sidkenu. See, God wants Jerusalem to dwell in safety, to be a place of peace and security and prosperity. You know, at the time that this was written, of course, it was the worship, the religious center. It was also the house of God. It was also the center of the political power of King David and his line. And then by the time our Lord Jesus comes, of course, the temple is there. It's been uh, rebuilt. And, 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 and Jesus comes and, and, and Jesus comes in as the Lord of the temple. And so we realize that God still has a plan for the, the city of Jerusalem. And our job is to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. When was the last time you said, God, just like it says here, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. See, we should always pray for God's peace to reign over challenging situations. And so much about God's end times plan has Jerusalem in focus. We'll have to table that discussion for another time. But we should be praying for the peace of Jerusalem because this is the the place that God's purposes and plans have been unpacked for us in the scriptures. Now, we're going to move on to now Psalm 123 together as we continue to, to kind of get our focus to set our direction. Now, now look at what it says in, in Psalm 123, verse 1. It says, Unto you I lift my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. Behold, as the servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. 
Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy on us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorn of those who are at ease, with the contempt of the proud. Now, really what we learn here is that the way up is to look up. You know, it's amazing how we just, we keep coming back to this already in the beginning of this series that our focus determines the direction that we're going to take. And notice he says, in the midst of all, he's praying for the peace of Jerusalem. He's happy to be in the house of God. But then, hey, unto you I lift up my eyes. Oh, you who dwell in the heavens. And, and really, for us, if you want to grow, we need to get our eyes lifted up to the Lord. We need to focus our eyes upward. We need to see God for who he is and for what he is doing. And really what the idea is, is not only do we want to look up, but really this is talking about looking up with, with a heart of dependence. Because you see what he says here. As the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their masters or as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress. So the idea of the, I mean, the mistress means something different in our culture, but for maids and a mistress, that was the woman that they worked for. The servants with their masters is the person who they worked for. So the idea of the person that they're dependent upon for their life and their livelihood. And so for us, the way up is to look up, but don't just look up at the Lord, but to look up at the Lord with a heart of dependence, saying, Lord, I am not independent of you, but God, I am dependent upon you. And I think in a lot of ways, for in our day and age, especially because we live in a society that is very big on individualism and you can do it your way, you don't need anybody, that kind of a philosophy, that's why Christianity is challenging because Christianity says actually, you know, without Jesus you can do nothing. And so we look to the Lord, not just, well, I'm acknowledging that there is a God, but we look to the Lord with a heart that's like, Lord, I'm completely dependent upon you. Without you, God, what can I do? Without you, I can't bear any fruit, Lord. If I'm not abiding in Jesus, I can't grow in any way that is substantial. Sure, I may be able to make some some changes here or there, but nothing that has eternal value. So the idea of looking to the Lord means we look up to God in a way of realizing that we are completely dependent upon God. As the Apostle Paul quotes it in the book of Acts, in him we live and move and have our being. Right? We, we, without God, we have no breath in our lungs. Without the Lord, we, we, we can't do anything. Our lives are here because God is good. And it's not enough just to tip our hats to God, but really this is speaking about a, a complete and total surrender to the fact that we are dependent upon God. I always say this on July 4th, you know, on Independence Day. Let's never forget that our independence is because we're completely dependent. We don't have any freedom unless we are dependent on whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Can I get an amen for that? I mean, listen, we don't want to buy the fallacy that we can do this on our own. We can't do this on our own. All the most important knobs are on God's side of the wall, right? God keeps air in the sky so we can breathe. God keeps our heart beating, right? God keeps our digestion working. God's ability to save through the finished work of Jesus. He did everything. He even gives us the gift of faith so that we can exercise it. When you're climbing something high, you're not supposed to look down. They say to keep your eyes forward, looking up to where you want to go. Well, today, Pastor Daniel shared that the same thing is true in life. He explained that your focus needs to be up. 
fixed on the Lord. This doesn't just mean you think about God, but implies that you're dependent upon Him. The longer you walk with the Lord, you'll realize how much you need Him to carry you through every day so that you can live the full life that Jesus came to give you. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more about the importance of your focus. You'll learn that you, like everyone else, struggle with being dependent on God. You want to be okay on your own, not needing help from anyone, especially from the Lord. But as you'll see, the reality is that we're all helpless to live our best lives without God's help. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called The Way Up Next Time. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.